welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. God's people. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Uh, I did not dismiss the kids to children's church. Uh, I don't see any more kids in here except for mine, but you can go to children's church if you'd like. Okay, you want to listen to me? Okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. We're going to start, uh, pick up where we started off, uh, la- uh, where we left off last time. Uh, we're going to be in verse 31. I'm just going to give you some background, uh, just leading in into this. Um, if you have your bulletins, um, you uh, you see this uh, this insert in, inside of your bulletins. It's a, it's a place to take notes. Um, uh, I would I would very much enjoy if you took notes because I think this is going to help you in uh, in in your uh, ability to witness to other people. All right, um, just you don't have to raise your hand, uh, but sometimes uh, just. Uh, going out in the world, um, have you ever had a gospel conversation with someone? Um, hopefully, you have. Uh, if you were a believer, hopefully you are excited to tell people about Jesus. Amen? Um, but sometimes it can be a little bit difficult, can it? This means yes. This means no. Sometimes it can be a little bit difficult. Amen? I'm, I'm admitting with you, yes. Sometimes gospel conversations can be difficult, right? Uh, sometimes it can be a little awkward uh, to have a gospel conversation, especially if you were trying to have a gospel conversation. You're going into a conversation, I mean, and you are looking to have a gospel conversation. I remember a youth minister of mine one time, um, uh, he, was, he, he, he was kind of teaching us how to have gospel conversations with people. That was a good youth ministry. Uh, but he was a very corny type guy. Like he was just like, he would make dad jokes all the time. And, uh, and, so, and so we went into a store one time. And I, I swear this happened, okay? Uh, he gives the cashier, she said, oh, that would be like twenty three fifty or something like that. And, and, uh, and, and, and so he gives her the money and she goes, okay, here's your change. And he goes, change. Let me tell you about change. Just the most awkward. And he proceeds going into the gospel. I'll tell you how God changed my life. And I don't recommend that type of, of gospel witness. Uh, but today we are going to look at a gospel witness, how it makes it really just easy to share your faith. Um, if you've been in those situations and you're like, man, I just don't know what to say. Like, I don't feel like I know enough. You ever been there? I've been there. I don't feel like I know enough. Uh, or I, I just, I'm afraid I'm going to mess something up. You ever been there? I've been there. I'm afraid I'm going to mess something up. Or I'm afraid what they're going to think about me, right? Been there too. I've, I've all these excuses of why not to share the gospel and your testimony specifically with people. Um, I've been there. I've, I've had these. I've experienced this and still do. Uh, and no matter if you are sharing the gospel with somebody for the first time or if you've been doing it for several years like I have, and it, 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 it's, it's always a little bit nervous, right? You always get a little bit nervous that you're going to do something strange. Uh, but today we look at Paul. What does this have to do with Paul uh, you can see exactly how it does with Paul because Paul lays out for us so brilliantly, so beautifully, a, 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 a method in which to share our faith with somebody. You guys ready to get into the text this morning? Amen? A little bit more. Yes. Awesome. 
Acts chapter 20, verse 21. Or Acts chapter 21, sorry. We're going to start in verse uh, 31. Uh, but leading up to this, at, uh, Paul has just gone back to Jerusalem, right? And he goes and he sees the elders uh, of the church of Jerusalem. And he sees James, which is kind of like the uh, unspoken leader of the church now. And um, so Paul goes and sees James and the elders. And James and the elders tell Paul, hey, look, this is what they're saying about you. This is what everybody, this is the word on the street. Uh, this is what everybody's talking about, about you. Um, everybody's saying that you're forsaking the Jewish customs, like, uh, and you are abandoning the Jewish customs, uh, that you are teaching, uh, Jewish people not to follow Jewish customs. And that's what the word on the street is about you, Paul. And, and Paul's like, well, you know, I share the gospel and we don't make the Gentiles follow Jewish customs. We don't do that. Right. Uh, however, I'm still a Jew and I will follow Jewish customs. So, James and the elders say, hey, look, in order for it to, like, look good, in order for, for, for it to, you know, to kind of die down some of this talk, um, why don't you go with these people who have taken a vow? And they're going to go to the temple, and you take the, the money that they owe, and you pay it. And then everybody will, will know that, hey, you're in step with Jewish law. You're in step with Jewish custom. Um, and so Paul, he gets up and he follows the advice of James and the elders and he gets up and he goes to the temple and he goes to pay this, this, this fee for these people who have taken this oath, these people that have taken the vow and some Pharisees recognize him. And these are Pharisees that are from Asia, as we see in chapter 21, probably from around the area of Ephesus where he's done a lot of ministry And so they recognize him. They say, whoa, this is Paul. This is the same guy who's preaching to the Gentiles. This is the same guy who's telling, remember the word on the street, the rumors, rumors are powerful. And so this is the same guy who said to not follow Jewish customs, who's making the Jews not follow Jewish customs. And so they see him in the inner court of the temple, which is so, it's such a big deal. Because uh, they, they, they accuse him of bringing Gentiles into the inner court, which is a big no-no. Now, Paul didn't do this. Paul did not bring Gentiles into the inner court. But they're accusing him of bringing Gentiles into the inner court, which is a crime punishable by death. By death. Okay? So these people, they start to, to cause a ruckus, a chaos, a scene. And here we pick up in chapter 21, starting in verse 31. Let's just go ahead and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll read it. It says, and as they were seeking to kill him. Wow, that escalated quickly, right? Uh, Paul, uh, he, gets, he gets accused. People grab him. They start bringing him out. They bring him out of the inner court. They bring him out of the temple. And they start beating him. They take their fists. I imagine them taking things and throwing them at Paul because he has violated this most sacred law, even though he didn't really violate it. So as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the, co- of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. So word got back to the Roman officials, basically, that there's a chaos going on in the temple. You better get there. All right. So he at once, in verse 32, he at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when he saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. And the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Now remember, the tribune doesn't know what's going on here. Like, it's just utter chaos, utter madness. All right? And so he just says, look, 
this guy that they're beating, he must have did something wrong. Let's put him in chains. We're going to arrest him. We're going to bring him out. We're going to find out what's going on. Because the Romans like to have trials to make sure that someone's not being unjustly accused. Verse 34. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. And as he could not learn the facts, the tribune could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. Now picture this. He's being carried out of the temple. They have to pick him up and carry him to protect him from all the violence that is going around. These people are ticked. They are mad at Paul. For the mob of people, verse 36, the mob of the people followed out crying, away with him, away with him. They were seeking to take Paul's life. And, um, and they'd already beat him pretty good, right? The reason that they're so outraged is because they think that he's, 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 he's went against the Jewish law and bringing these Gentiles into the inner court. He's been falsely accused. They want him dead. But I want to take special notice of Paul's response to this. Uh, so let's, let's continue on reading verses 37 through 39. And look at Paul's response to people wanting to take him out, to beat him, and to kill him. Look at Paul's response. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, to the tribune May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? And Paul replied, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me, please, to speak to the people. In all the confusion, the tribune got him confused. He's, he's hearing voices from one side and the other. It's chaos. It's utter chaos around there. In the tribune, the, the Roman officials could not figure out what exactly was going on. And he makes a guess. He says, he says, aren't you the Egyptian guy who three years earlier rounded up about 4,000 people and you went outside of the city and you predicted that the walls were going to fall down? All this is historical. And, and, and you predicted that the walls were going to fall down and that the Romans were going to be overtaken. Didn't, weren't you that guy? And, and, and because of that little particular incident, several, several thousand people were killed because of that incident. And the Egyptian himself, who led the whole thing, he ended up escaping, never to be seen or heard from again. And so this tribune says, you're the Egyptian guy, right? That three years ago. And Paul says, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm from, from Tarsus, from, uh, from, uh, from Cilicia. He says, I'm from Tarsus, I'm a Jew, and I want to speak to my people. Look at the response of Paul. He's wanting, they're wanting to kill him. They're wanting to beat him. And what does he want to do? He wants to talk to them. He wants to defend himself. Not only defend himself, but as we see in a minute, he's wanting to bring them the hope of the gospel. To people who just beat him. To people who were trying to grab him, pull him down, and kill him. He is wanting to bring them the hope of the gospel, as we'll see in a minute. I want us to see today before we get into our, the bulk of our text today, that despite the utter rejection and the hatred that he faced, that Paul was determined to share the hope of the gospel even to those who hated him and wanted to take his life. And I want us to see also today that even in the face of rejection and hatred, that we should be ready and willing to share what Christ has done in our lives. Amen? 
We should be ready and willing to share what Christ has done in our lives. I'm going to give you this morning, all right? This is why I wanted you to take notes. Three questions. Three questions. These aren't self-reflecting questions. I got off the self-reflecting question kick. These are just questions to guide you, to guide you in sharing your testimony and to sharing the gospel with other people. Are you ready? Amen? The first question is this. Who were you before Christ? This is really, really simple. Look, I time my messages every week. Every time, every time I preach, I, I preach this message. I, I probably preach this message about 20 times already just to time it and just to get down inflections, to get down you know, body language, things that preachers do, right? And, and, and I time this, and you'll be glad to know that my, uh, my normal time of like 45 to 50 minutes this, this, I actually time this the 30, the 35 minutes because it's really simple, right? So, amen. You might get out and, 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 and beat, and beat the, the, the Catholics, Presbyterians, or whoever to the, to, to the, to the dinner table today, all right? So, who were you before Christ? Unless the Spirit of God lays on me to speak a little bit longer, which, praise God, we ain't hindering that, right? Who were you before Christ? And we're going to start in chapter 21, verse 40, the last verse. It said, and when he had given him permission, the tribune, remember, Paul's asking, please let me speak to, the, to my people. And the tribune says, okay, he gives him permission. So Paul, standing on the steps, he motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying this, brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they had heard that he was addressing them in, his, in, the, in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of, uh, of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are to this day. I persecuted the way, our Christianity. I persecuted the way. I persecuted Christianity to the death, binding and delivering to, to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear with me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. The first thing I want you to know and to notice and, and this, this, look, this relates to your sharing the gospel and sharing your own testimony with lost people. The first thing that Paul does is that he relates to the people. He relates to the people that he's speaking to, right? What does he do? He speaks in their own language. It says that he, he, he takes, now many of them would understand the Greek dialect then. Many of them would understand it, but he is speaking their language. Most likely in this day, the Hebrew speak, well, people speaking Aramaic. And he is speaking to them in their language, and that causes a hush over the crowd and he relates to them. And he says, look, I'm a Jew. <laughs> I'm like, a, the, the, I was the Jew of Jews, right? And, and I, I wasn't born, I was born, yes, I was born in, in Tarsus in Cilicia. But I was brought up here in Jerusalem, in this very city that I'm in, in the very city that 99% of you were brought up in. Look, I'm, I'm just like you, right? And, 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 and I, 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 I studied at the feet. Many of you Pharisees out there were listening uh, 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 Jewish men who were well-educated were listening. And he says, look, I studied at the feet of one of the most prominent leaders, Jew Jewish leaders at the time, Gamaliel. I studied under him. Like, and to get under a teacher just to, 
just to give you a, a word like of, of, of knowledge here, uh, to get under a teacher in the, in, in, to, to be Jewish, the teacher had to accept you as a student. He saw something in Paul Gamaliel, which is one of the top teachers, Jewish teachers of the day. He had to see something in Paul, and he did. And he's like, look, I studied under a teacher that was really good. Like, so if anybody knows Jewish law, if anybody knows Jewish custom, like, that's me. He related to the people. And he says, not only that, but I kind of exceeded all of you in my zeal for Judaism, in my zeal for Jewish law. In fact, you know what I did? Is I went all around the known world right here persecuting people who follow Christ persecuting people who follow Jesus. I went around making sure that their men were in jail and that their women were in jail. I made sure that I got them all and I put them in jail. And and notice what he's doing. He is relating to, to them. It's important, guys, when we share our testimony and when we share the gospel that we're not just giving some canned speech. I, I, I think that I think that kind of turns people off sometimes, doesn't it? Like um, you're talking with them, normal conversation, normal language, and then you're like, "Oh, well, let me tell you about the gospel." If you would turn to Romans, not that they have a a, a Bible, uh, turn to Romans, Romans chapter one, verse thirteen. And I'm, I'm not saying that we can't do that, right? Uh, because sometimes we can do that, uh, but we we have to relate to people, right? Uh, we have to get down and say, you know what? I was where you were. I was where you were. Look, I wasn't any different from you. And what you're doing right now, what you're into right now, man, I, I can relate. I can relate. Politicians are good about this, aren't they? Especially national politicians. They want you to make, they want to make you think that they are down on your level, right? They want to make you think that they experience the same things that you experience. They want to make you think that they... Uh, that they um, uh, that they go through the same hardships that you go through, right? Um, us little lowly people. That yeah, I'm just on the same level as you, but the majority of people can see right through that, can't they? <laughs> I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, or whatever. People from all parties, you can see right through that, can't you? And why not? Because there's this there's this sort of sort of uh, uh, mentality about this that that you you see and you look at these people and you're like, yeah, do they really go? Do they have they really been through the same thing I've been through? Do they really go through? Do they really struggle with uh, uh, paying their their health insurance from month to month? Do they really do they really do that? Do they really struggle with paying their mortgage from month to month? I, I kind of doubt it, right? Do they do they really have these issues that? That, that come up in life that they're just, that they're, they're, they can barely meet their needs? Probably not, right? And, and we can see right through that. You don't need to be like that. You don't need to be someone that is fake when you are sharing your story and when you are sharing the gospel. So you need to be somebody who is real. So don't make up stories about, you know, man, I used to be a drug addict. You know, I've never touched drugs a day in my life, right? And so, um, I, you know, I used to, man, be addicted to, to smoking cigarettes. I've never put a cigarette in my mouth a day, a day in my life. I'm not going to make up stories. And this is not what Paul is doing. Paul is not saying, look, um, I, this, is what, this is what I'm doing. He's not taking glory in his past. He's not saying that some of us, I think we have this mentality. Sometimes we're like, man, I remember... Huh, I'm not this way anymore, but I remember back whenever I was in high school, man, we used to sneak off in the backwoods. We used to sneak those drinks and we used to, we used to do this, man. It was a good old time. Those were the days, man. And sometimes we glory in our past, don't we? When we should actually kind of be, oh, 
shouldn't have done that. That was, that was shameful, right? Right? And sometimes we can glory in that. And it's not like Paul is saying here, look, hunting Christians, man, I was the best at it. Man, you know, I, I put so many people, I was, man, those were the days when I used to put these men and these women in jail. Man, those were the days. I used to put these people all in jail for believing Jesus Christ. He is not like that. What his, the, the mentality and the, and the, and the, and the demeanor that Paul has here is just saying, you know what, this is something that I did. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's something that I did. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it, and I, and I know better now, but this is, this, is something that, this is something that had a stronghold on me. And notice another thing, the flip side of the coin. Sometimes we try to hide our past. And sometimes we try to think that and, and try to convince people that even before Christ, man, we were the most saintly people in the world, right? Uh, and, and sometimes we, we, we hide those facts from people. Now, I'm not saying being unwise and, and, and air out all your dirty laundry, laundry to people that you're sharing the gospel with. I'm not. But in order to get on, this, on, the, on the level that, of people that you're sharing the gospel with, you have to know, or they have to know, yes, I was a sinner. <laughs> I was there. I was there. Look, I was brought up in a Christian home. Brought up in a Christian home. My parents were believers. Thank God for that. And I cut my teeth on the church pews, right? Um, never, I mean, I had a great childhood, right? And, 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 you know, I could, if I wanted to, I could probably convince myself and convince other people, man, I was a great person. Even before I came to Christ, man, I was a great person. But the truth was, is I wasn't. I wasn't. I was saved when I was seven years old. And I was a pretty good kid, but I was lost. And even whenever I, I became a Christian, I dealt with things in my life, maturing in Christ, that I'm not proud of. And even today, if I want to be honest with you today, I still struggle with things that I'm not proud of. When we say that and we relate to people like that, you know what? They're going to listen. They're going to say, okay, I have to hear what this guy has to say. I have to hear what this guy has to say. Friends, you encounter people that are lost on a daily basis. How do you talk about your life before Christ? Do you glory in what you used to do? Do you hide what you used to do? Are you open with your past? Not all the way open. Being wise. Knowing that being honest about that is only going to highlight the grace of God, right? If God can pull you out of that, they can pull them out of that. Amen? Second question is this. We can't leave people there. <laughs> you can't relate, just relate to people. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I used to do this, and I'm ashamed of it now, and just leave them right there. No. The next thing that Paul does here in this passage of Scripture is he... Is he, is he tells them how Christ interrupted his life. So this is the second question I have for you. If you're writing it down, how did Christ reveal himself to you? How did Christ reveal himself to you? If Christ has revealed himself to you in a saving way, I'm trying to get you alive this morning. If Christ has revealed himself to you in a saving way, could you please say amen? Amen. amen. There we go. All right. Paul says this, verse 6. Chapter 22. He says, he continues on with the story. He says, this is who I was before Christ. Man, I used to hunt Christians down. Not proud of it. I was zealous. But then he said, but one day, 
Verse 6. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me, and I came to Damascus. And one, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me. And standing by me, he said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight, and I saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul doesn't leave them at, this is who I was. He takes the story to when Christ interrupted your life. And I ask that question, has Christ, have you had an encounter with Christ? Has Christ interrupted your life? And most of you shouted, amen, at that. So you have this, this, this moment, or you have this time in your life where Christ came in, interrupts your life, convicts you of sin, and opens your eyes to who he is, and you submit your life to him. Man, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's a wonderful time in your life. He tells the people that it was none other than Jesus of Nazareth who spoke to him. And he tells the revelation of what he was doing wrong. He was persecuting the church, his sin. And the willingness of Paul, he, Paul then speaks of the willingness of himself to obey the voice of the Lord. And he continued not, that not only he should be, obey the voice of the Lord in his immediate circumstance, but Ananias was saying, look, this is what God has set you apart for. This is your mission. This is what you should do. But the important thing is that when we tell people the change in our lives, that the only person that can bring it about is Jesus Christ, right? Because we do the same thing as Paul, and we say, hey, look, there was a time when I was like this in my life. <laughs> there was a time where I didn't follow God. There was a time where, yeah, I thought I was a pretty good person. And in my case, I was self-righteous. And uh, I thought I was better than everybody else uh, in my own personal case. And, and I, whenever, before Christ, this is how I was. This is how I was. But then Christ interrupted my life. Christ came in. He showed me himself. He convicted me of my sin. And you notice what Ananias tells Paul here. He says, rise up, confess, call out to the Lord to be saved. Follow through in public profession of that in believer's baptism in obedience. And Paul does that. He tells of the moment that God changed his life to these people. Remember, he's speaking to the Jews the people that were trying to beat him, the people that were trying to kill him, he's speaking to them. And he's saying, this is who changed my life. Notice another thing he says specifically, who changed his life. Now, in our culture, 
people look for different things to change their lives, right? They, they look to Muhammad or they look to their own ritualistic circumstances. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be okay with God. Or maybe they look to other gods. Or maybe they look to the culture. Or maybe they look to their family to bring them fulfillment and satisfaction and, 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 to, and to bring them uh, some purpose in life and to change your life. You know, my life completely changed when I had kids. My life did change when I had kids. But that, that's not the defining moment of my life. My defining moment of my life is when Christ interrupted my life. When Christ came in. Jesus of Nazareth, notice he's specific about that. When Jesus of Nazareth, the Jesus of the Bible, the God-man, the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, because I tell you what, there's a lot of, of, of false preachers today, amen? Amen. There are a lot of false preachers today that will preach Jesus, but he's not Jesus of the Bible. There, there are a lot of, uh, of TV preachers. I'm not knocking all TV preachers, but uh, just most of them. All right. So there are TV preachers who say, uh, Jesus did this for me. Jesus did this for me. Jesus did this for me and that for me. But uh, the, the Jesus that they're speaking of is a Jesus that, um, uh, that doesn't demand you to die to yourself and follow him, which is what Jesus commands for us to do. Die to yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Deny yourself. Right. It's not, they're not preaching Jesus of the Bible. Notice that. The change only comes through Jesus Christ. And so when you are telling people about your life with Christ and you are sharing the gospel, hope of the gospel with them, the what you're sharing with them is you're saying, hey, look, this was my life before Christ came in and intervened. Jesus Christ, the God man came in and intervened in my life. And, 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 and now he has changed me completely. Friends, do you do that? When you share the gospel, when you share your testimony with people, this is very easy. It's not that difficult. It might, you might take over getting some nerves. It takes away the awkwardness. When you talk about what God has done in your life and who he is and what he has done for you by dying and raising again for you. Amen. Third question is this, how has Christ radically changed my life? So we have, who, who was I before Christ? When did Christ come in and interrupt my life? And the last one is, how has Christ radically changed my life for the good and forever? Verse 17. Paul's still talking to the Jews here. Y'all with me? Paul is still talking to the Jews here. And he says this. He says, this is who I was. This is what Christ did. And now, when I had returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple... I fell into a trance, verse 18, and saw him saying to me, saw Jesus saying to him, make haste, or hurry up, get up, and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you away to the Gentiles. Paul continues the story, and he tells them who he was. He told them about his encounter with Jesus, and now he's telling them about the mission that Christ has sent him on. He tells them that the plans that Jesus has, not only for the Jewish people, but for the entire world. Now, Gentiles, uh, non-Jewish people, are able to get to, to God through Jesus Christ and have a changing, life-changing relationship with God. A couple things I want to notice here. First, 
Paul warned, or uh, Jesus warned Paul in Paul's account. Jesus warns Paul that he will not be accepted in Jerusalem when he first gets saved, okay? Years prior. And what Paul is saying, now remember, where is Paul at now? Jerusalem. Paul's in Jerusalem. And God is telling Paul, or Jesus is telling Paul when he first gets saved, he goes back to Jerusalem and he's praying in the temple. He's saying, you're not going to be accepted here in Jerusalem. They're going to want to beat you. They're going to want to kill you. And they're going to want to hold you captive. Who is he talking about? Who is Jesus talking about? The same people that Paul is talking to here. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? He's talking to the same people. He's, so Paul is basically saying, hey, look, God warned me of you. <laughs> and he told me to get out of Dodge. He told me to get out and to go minister elsewhere and to go bring the gospel elsewhere because God told me that you weren't going to receive this message. And in fact, I, I answered back to God. Paul is saying this. Yeah, he says, I answered back to God and said, you know, they know what I did. Like, they know how I persecuted Christians. In fact, we both... <laughs> We both killed Stephen together, right? And so at this point, imagine Paul. He's standing on the steps of the temple, and he's or standing on the steps of the barracks, and he is speaking to the Jewish people, Pharisees, regular lay Jewish people. He's speaking to them, and he's saying, look, God warned me of you that you weren't going to accept the message way back in years ago, um, but he sent me back to you. Um, and, like, we were in it together, <laughs> We were persecuting the church together. Me and you, we were persecuting the church together. Um, we, were, we killed Stephen together. And the people were throwing coats at, at my feet while everybody else stoned him, which is kind of like the position of, of approval. Paul is sitting back and he's approving this killing and the stoning of Stephen. And so Paul's still relating to them and he says, look, I was like you. I was with you. I did the same exact things that you. We killed a man together. That's what he said, basically. You and I, we killed a man together. But there's hope. And he says to, to, to them, at the, at the end of that, he says, uh, now, like, go, go toward the Gentiles. And I imagine Paul, he's, as a preacher, you try to land the plane like I'm going to do here in a minute. And, 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 and you try to land that plane, right? And so... Imagine Paul, the next thing that he's going to say after uh, he brings up the, the gospel going to the Gentiles is he's, he's, he's going to bring up. He's setting the stage for it. Take it from a preacher who knows. He's setting the stage for it, and he's going to say, now you have the same hope that they have. Like God changed me. The gospel was brought to the Gentiles, which you didn't like very much, and I didn't like very much. And God changed them, and now he's bringing this hope to you. And think about this. If you're Paul... You've left Jerusalem, a place you grew up in and you studied in, and a place where you've years ago left because God told you that you were going to receive a, 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 a persecution there. Uh, think about it. He leaves from Ephesus and 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 or from Antioch from Ephesus and goes back to Jerusalem, and they say, "Please don't go. You're going to be killed, or you're going to be arrested there." And, and Paul's like, no, I'm going to go. And so he's standing at this moment. It all comes, culminates to this. And he's standing, he's preaching before the Jews. And maybe, just maybe, he's thinking in his spirit. He's like, this is it. I'm presenting the hope to the Jews. And we're going to have a radical transformation here. These Jews are going to accept me. These Jews, not accept me. These Jews are going to accept the gospel. They're going to accept the gospel message. They're going to accept Jesus as the Messiah. Boy, this is it. This is it. Guys, when you are... Are, 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 are witnessing to people, 
Not only do you tell them about where you were and your encounter with Christ, but you tell them how Christ has radically changed you and you don't leave it there. They interrupted Paul. But Paul was going to say, here's the hope that you have. Won't you take it? Won't you take the hope? Won't you take the the freedom that Jesus is, is offering you? It does no good to share your testimony, your salvation story with someone and not offer them hope and say that the same thing could happen to you if you just believe. The same thing could happen to you if you just trust in Jesus. The same thing could happen to you if you surrender to Jesus. And the conclusion is this, that God can use your testimony to speak volumes to people. (laughs) Volumes to people. Even those who hate you, even those who don't like you very much, one of the most effective ways, in fact, to share the gospel is to share the testimony about what Christ has done in your life. And yes, you include the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the sufficiency of Christ to save us from sin. We can't leave the, that part out. And that is a very effective tool in sharing your faith. But I want to look at verses 22 and 23 because more often than not, you'll probably have this kind of rejection. Not, maybe not to this extent. <laughs> Hopefully not to this extent. Verses 22 and 23. Let's see how they responded to Paul. When he starts mentioning the Gentiles, what do they do? Verse 22, up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and he said, away with such a fellow from the earth. For he should not even be allowed to live. And they were shouting and they were throwing off their cloaks and they were flinging dust into the air. They were taking up dirt and they were chunking it at him because they had nothing else to throw. So they're taking stuff and they're taking dirt and they're throwing it. They're taking their clothes. They're throwing it up in the air. They're mad. They're ticked and they wanted to kill him. But Paul was obedient even though, even though he most likely knew that he was going to be rejected. And there was something, though, that in the message that they couldn't get past. And when you go to share your faith and you share your testimony there may be something in your message that people just can't get past. And they might reject you. And they, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the message. They're rejecting Christ when they do this. But if you don't share the hope of Jesus with them, how will they know the hope that's offered to them? Does that make sense? How will they know the hope that's offered to them unless you share that hope with them? Friends, people like their lives. They like sin. They like to live in sin. And they don't want to deny themselves a lot of times and follow Christ. And there's going to be some real opportunities you get to share the gospel with people and your testimony with people, and they're going to reject you because they don't want to leave their sin. Because a call to Christ is a call to die to self. Amen? A call to Christ is a call to die to self. The question is this. Are you faithful in sharing what the Lord has done for you in your own life? Regardless of the response, regardless of how you might be treated because you never know there, there's that one, oh, those conversations are so sweet. When you share your testimony about what Jesus has done in your life and you share about who Christ is and someone says, tell me more. Oh, that's so sweet. And we do it for that one. Amen? Let's pray.